The scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of John, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. The Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Can I ask you to stand, please, as I read? And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six waterpots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the waterpots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Has God been good to you? Well, if God has been good to you, put your hands together for Jesus. Oftentimes, oftentimes, Christians give the world a bad impression. They behave as if God hasn't done anything to them, so they sit down so... Can you see me? So somber and sophisticated. Sorry. When God... As raised you from the dead, let the world know. When God has put food on your empty tables, this is not a time to sit down and looking cute. Hmm? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so this morning, I welcome you to my father's house. If you came this morning looking for a lousy preacher, he has not yet come. I welcome you because you are God's children. And regardless of where you have been this week, I said it's a joy to be sitting at the table of Jesus. So I welcome you. I have some folks visiting as well from New Hope. I see Sister White. Sister White, stand up so the, the congregation should see you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, give her a round. Amen. Give her, welcome her in the presence of God. Anybody else from New Hope? Anybody? I, yes, praise God. Put your hands together for these people. These are my guests. Amen. Some of my family members are here hiding in the congregation. The Lord bless you too. 
They can't wait for me to tell them to stand. If you represent, you heard that I'm preaching this morning and you wanted to be a part of the celebration, why don't you stand so that we can acknowledge you? Uh, they haven't come yet? <laughs> I, I, I think they are shy. I think they are shy. But as I go through my, my, my presentation, I will see you. I must say I am really, really de delightful for this opportunity to share God's word. Thank you, Helder Buckley, for your kind words of introduction. It's party time. It's party time. That's my topic for the, few, the next few minutes. It's party time. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we have not come to hear sweet and soothing words. For that will only give us spiritual diabetes. But we pray, Lord, that you will give us this day our daily bread. For we've asked all these things in Jesus' name. Let everybody say, Amen. I love weddings. Do you love weddings? It's a time of joy and celebration. The atmosphere is warm and love is in the air. You all haven't experienced it? Last month, Everything came to a standstill as all road led to Windsor. I was looking out for some of you. All eyes were on Prince Harry and his beautiful bride, the lovely Meghan. They watched, the world watched as these beautiful couple, well-known couple, if you please, exchange their vows. Depending on your experiences with weddings, you may or may not agree when I quote one writer who says, weddings are accidents waiting to happen. Even if you have the best wedding planner, Things will always go wrong. Have you been there before? I remember when I was getting married, one of the problems or one of the complaints I had at my wedding was that the, foods was, the food was nice, but it was cold. Oh, some of you were there, so you could testify. <laughs> Things always go wrong at weddings. I don't know. But somebody will get sick. Hmm? They waited all months to get sick. Something will go wrong with the transport. Hmm? There was a lady who was getting married for months and she rented the oil and then to her discovery on the day she found out that the building was sold. People will be late. And at every wedding you have unexpected guests. You've got to plan for them. And then somebody will embarrass you. They don't intend to embarrass you, but that's what happened when you put all, everybody you know into one room and had music, food, and good times, 
they will tell everybody about everything about you. At the wedding at Cana, this wedding is no exception. The music was going fine. The bride and the groom were laughing, having a good time. But wait, oops. Mary slipped over to Jesus. Hello, by the way, Jesus is at the wedding party. You mean Jesus is at a party? Yes. And that's my topic today. It's party time. So Mary slipped over to Jesus. Notice I did not say Mary went to one of the deacons or the elder or a pastor. Mm-mm. Mary went discreetly to Jesus. She sat down and said, Jesus, guess what? They have no more wine. Jesus said, so what do you want me to do? Run down to Sainsbury's? Why you? Jesus says, woman. And by the way, that word woman in our modern day English is lady. Because Jesus is a very respectful young man. The Bible says that he grew in stature. With favor with God and man. So he's a respect. He says to his mother, Woman, what does that have to do with me or you? My horror has not yet come. In other words, Jesus was saying to her, As a matter of fact, commentators as well could actually, they have said that you could actually turn that around instead of saying, woman, what does that have to do with you? He could say, as my hour not yet arrived. So Jesus could be asking a question, uh, making a statement or asking a question at the same time. But Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Many many, Many commentators also say that if you go to a wedding and you are making a report, like John, and we, we have what that we have just read, we have read from the gospel of all gospels. When you talk about John, the writer of the fourth gospel, he's a unique writer. He knows who he's writing to. He has a purpose in mind, and he's going to write. He's not going to write like the others who copy each other. Hmm? He has a unique message. John in John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. He has a aim. He wants to tell everybody that Jesus is not only man, he's God. Hmm? You wonder why. Why would John, in the beginning of his gospel, introduce Jesus as a, at a wedding? Why is that passage there? You've got to ask yourself. So John is introducing everybody to Jesus, and he says, Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. So if you're going to invite Jesus, do you have to invite the disciples too? You all come in to wreck the party? Can you imagine inviting Jesus and 12 disciples to a wedding? (laughs) Could he not at least bring two? Hmm? Especially when weddings are expensive. 
But it says that Jesus and his disciples were there. But wait, there is a wedding. Who is the bride? No bride is mentioned. That the narrator is terrible. If you're going to write and tell us that there's a wedding, at least tell us who the bride is. But no, no bride is mentioned. No groom. You don't even know who is on the guest list. Only Jesus and his disciples. So the active participant in this story is Mary, Jesus, not even the disciples. The disciples are only mentioned. They are not active. Mary is running up and down. She could, you could call her one of the waitress. Or, or if you please, Ed, waitress. She came to Jesus, said, look, the, the wine has not, is not only running low, the wine is finished. There is a problem. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding of Canaan, and Mary, his mother, was there. Now, the party, the wedding party, is not like the wedding party we have today. We come to church, and we go, and we take pictures, and we um, have a little celebration, and, at, and it's finished before you blink. No, those weddings at the time, they last for seven days. Mm-hmm. Huh? The groom and his father, they were responsible for the food and the, and the wine. So wait, you invited all these people mm -hmm, to your wedding and you haven't got any wine? Huh? So in other words, this is a dire situation. You are about to enter into a marriage relationship and on top of that, you are going to carry a stigma because everybody came to the wedding and is going to say, look, that's the couple who, who didn't have any wine. Huh? So Jesus here is now going to step into the situation to rescue a bad situation from happening. Are you still with me? Mm -hmm. No wine. Every and in those days, you invite the entire community. Imagine having a wedding at Brixton Church and inviting the members. Everybody. Just come. Mm -hmm. So here we can see a bad situation is about to happen. Mary became aware of the shortage of wine and she knew where to go for the solution. Who is the solution? Jesus. Just imagine if the wine had run out at Windsor last month. Imagine, it would be an embarrassment on Prince Charles because he was the host. John present this Jesus first miraculous sign. As you look at Jesus, is, this is his first miraculous sign. It, and this sign has two results. One, Jesus is... Re, Jesus revealed his glory. Everybody says his glory. So Jesus reveals his glory and his disciples, the Bible says, believed. 
Jesus is not only the son of Mary, he's the object of faith. Jesus' mother was pleading, one commentator says, show us yourself. Has anybody ever said, said to you, show the world who you are? This was per, per, perhaps what Mary was saying to Jesus. Jesus, have been, you've been at home for a while. Nobody knows about you. This is your first, this is your first time in public ministry. Why don't you show us who you are? One commenter says that when we have our problems, don't tell Jesus what to do. Just tell him what the problem is. <laughs> huh? You don't have to tell God what to do, but te just tell him what the problem is. Because he can, he, can, he can turn the problem around in different ways. And even better than your recommendation. Hmm? So Jesus, Jesus said to her, Dear woman, in today's equivalent, madam or lady, my hour has not come. So when you see the word woman, it's not rude or it's, it wasn't presented in an hostile way. Not that the way children talk to parents these days. Hello? This Jesus, the signer here at Cana, John said, was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and by him and without him were nothing made that which was made. What a God. And as I look at Jesus now, here he is. He has been introduced to the problem. We haven't, all that we have is water. Have you ever been there when all you have is water? All you can see in the cupboard is baked beans. All you can see in the, in the fridge is cucumber. And you don't know what to do with cucumber. You have cut the cucumber around. You have, cut the, you have diced the cucumber. You use salt. You don't know what. You have made cucumber juice. You have made cucumber salad. All you have is cucumber. Have you ever been there? Where all you have it's just water. Mary said, there is a problem. All that we have is water. Jesus, don't miss him. He has been where water has been before. Remember, he turned the water into dry land and his people went over by foot. He makes the storm Jesus is in the back of a boat, resting, and his disciples woke him up. Master, the tempest is raging. He got up, and he says, shut up. Says the wind and the waves, they went quiet. Storm, calm down. He divided waters. The Israelites went through on dry land. He dried them up. He says to Moses, Moses struck the rock. 
and water again. What a It's still the water. Now with the same power, Jesus turns water into wine. I'm going to give you something that will blow your mind today. God revealed his glory in quantity and quality. Wait, let's go to the text. Let's go to the text. It says, Then he told them, Now draw some out. No, 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 wait, wait. His mother said to the servants in verse 5, Do whatever he tells you. Let me pause there because as preachers we can't miss everything or anything. Mary says to, to the servants, just do whatever he tells you. My brothers, my sisters, if we could only do what Jesus tells us, our lives would be better. Just do what he tells us. Children, honor your parents. If we would only do what Jesus tells us. Husband loves your, love your wife. If we would only do what he tells us. So Mary says, just do what he tells you. And he says, in verse 6, nearby stood six water jars. How many? Six, in verse 6. It's amazing how verse 6 has six water bottles. I only saw that in the pulpit. No. Six water jars. This, these water jars were for, 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 for ceremony, ceremonial washing. And each holding how many gallons? 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus, then he says in verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. Is that what is in your Bible? Fill the jars with water. So they fill them up where? It says they fill the jars up to the brim. In other words, when you fill the jars to the brim, you can't say that Jesus had poured something else after the water. So in other words, Jesus is certifying the wine. You cannot leave to say after they have poured water into the jars, it was half. So maybe somebody had something else to it. No, no, no. Fill it to the brim. Jesus will not only fill you, he will fill you to the brim. Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of my enemy, thou anointest my head with what? My cup. Run over. I've come to tell you that my God is a God of quality, but he's also a God of quantity. I'm tired of when we bring anything to God, it is half. God is a God of quality, but he is also a God of quantity. May I hasten to let you know, just in case you are wondering, I'm going to preach on, on wedding. 
on marriage. I'm not preaching on marriage. Oftentimes, preachers use this text, but they use it in, a, in, in the wrong context. I will let you know right now that this text does not have anything to do with marriage. Amen. You know why? I told you earlier on that the, the bride is not mentioned. No bride is mentioned in the story. No groom. What John is basically telling you is that this man, Jesus, is different. Hmm? Why? Because guess what? What would normally happen is that at a wedding, the superior wine is served first. Don't miss it. At a wedding, the best wine is served first. And when you have finished and you are, you'll be rolling on the floor, it doesn't happen here because we're Adventists, we don't drink alcohol. But when the best wine would have been served, you would then serve what? The inferior wine. But wait! Jesus is doing it the other way around. When the grew, it says when the servants gave it to the to the, the, the master of the wedding, he says, wait, just wait. Just when we were about to call it a day. Just when the music was going to be switched off. Just when everything was almost over. You all bring the best wine? No, something is wrong. Go. He said, where, where did you get it from? Do you notice how Jesus did it? Jesus went to the back. He did not come out in the open. So the only people who know about this miracle is the servants and Jesus. But wait, everybody will taste, but not everybody saw where the wine came from. Did you miss it? Wait, Jesus went to the back. Only did, only did, only the servants, only the servants and Jesus knew the manufacturer. Hmm? But wait, we, I can't work with my notes. It's running me too slow. We learned in school that water has how many module, molecules? It has two particles, right? It has hydrogen and Oxygen. Wait. Don't run too fast. Hydrogen and oxygen. I know we've got good educators in the church, so they will tell me after the sermon if I go wrong. Water has two particles. Hydrogen and oxygen. Now, wine has something they call alcohol. Hmm? Ethyl alcohol or ethanol if you please but wait something else is missing we have hydrogen and oxygen no we've got what else ethanol alcohol something else is missing what would what would take the water and turn it into properties of wine you need carbon. What, what did I say you wanted? 
carbon. So guess what? What would it take for Jesus to turn water into wine? It would take 15 billion sons. S-U-N-S. Hmm? Oh yes, I have lost you. Good. This is to tell you that we cannot begin to fathom God's wisdom. <laughs> God's wisdom is foolishness to you and I. That is why when we come before God, don't bring your problems and, look and make God look like he's a little yo-yo dummy. God, if God can create stars and galaxies, if God can take you, that little browning sitting there looking at me, and make you into somebody decent with faculties and eyes that can beam and see and mind to think and reason, my brothers, my sisters, bring the mountain to God, for the God of our mountains is big, and there is nothing too hard for God to do. Don't get me started this morning. I said, God is big. So wait, do you mean to tell me that God couldn't use one son? Why does he have to use 15 sons? Huh? Why does God have to marshal all that energy just to save one party in Cana? Hmm? 15 sons? My God, I can't, even, I can't even look at the brightness of one son let alone 15 million sons. Can you imagine? So for me now to come and unravel or unpack this miracle, I would do a terrible job. All I can tell you is that this God in John is not an ordinary teacher or an ordinary preacher. When, 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 they, when, 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 the, when the, the master, when the master sipped the wine, he said, where did you get this thing from? Mark and Spencer is a lovely brand, but I've never tasted this. Sainsbury's? No, no, no. And don't even mention Tesco. This is something different. And I've never tasted it before. And then you could say, note the abrupt ending of the narrative. The story comes to a stop halfway through. With the reader wondering, what is the point? Yes, Jesus turned water into wine. Now what? Now what? The miracle in the story, my brothers and sisters, is not that Jesus turned water into wine. No, no, no. The miracle in the story is that the disciples believed. In an age where everybody doubts, in an age of skepticism, in an age where Jesus has to prove to everybody who he is, all he did, turn water into wine, and his disciples believed. 
May I ask you this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is God? And that no matter where or what you have done, he can give you grace. He can save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. That's the miracle in the story. It's not that Jesus could do more than what he did. But it says the disciples believed. What a beautiful thing. Not only to transform or change water into, into wine, but to take stubborn people and make them into disciples. What a beautiful thing to turn hearts that are stony into hearts of peace, into hearts of, of joy. And I believe that is the miracle in the story, is disciples believed. Beautiful. Jesus, remember, is not an ordinary preacher or an ordinary teacher. The disciples were with him, and, and they did not know much about Jesus. Because it's, it was only a couple days, Jesus says, come and follow me. So you could say that this miracle is an inauguration of things to come. Mm -hmm. It's a signpost of God. So at Cana, God was present. And that's my first point. I said at Cana, the sign of God at Cana means that God is present. Remember, this is Jesus' first time on the scene. He's about to start his earthly ministry. Right? So this is his first time. All along he was at home with his parents. Now this is his time to show the world who he is. So Jesus could not just start off casually. They had to be thunder. You had to hear tsunamis. In other words, Jesus did not. Yes, he could come in calmness. In the like the little wind, but no, he said, Okay, if I it, oftentimes what precedes should tell you what is to come. Hmm? Yeah, I wonder why is it Jesus did not start his ministry elsewhere? Why did Jesus have to start his ministry at a wedding? Could he not start it with the philosophers of his day? Could Jesus not go, um health ministries, so do something else on that day. In other words, Jesus started his ministry where the people are. He knew that there was going to be a need at Cana. And that is why he went to Cana. Hmm? Do we invite Jesus to our functions? I wonder how many weddings Jesus did not get an invitation to. When was the last time Jesus saved you from an embarrassment? Because the bride and the groom here, they would be embarrassed for the rest of their lives if the guests had found out, guess what? They had no wine. But Jesus stepped into a beautiful, into a terrible situation and made it beautiful. Are you here this morning because God saved you from an embarrassment and you're here to praise him? 
Or have you forgotten where God had found you? Jars. Wait a minute. Jesus says, you see all those empty jars? There are six of them. Fill them to the brim. Wait, you mean that there were empty jars waiting to be filled? Empty jars waiting to be filled. Did you miss that? There were jars waiting to be filled. Jesus said, take these, jar take these jars and fill them to the brim. What are some of the empty jars in our church? You all call me to preach, so I'm going to preach. What are some of the empty jars in our churches that are waiting to be filled? How about the empty jars of theological pride? We hold the truth. We, as Seventh-day Adventists, we have the truth. Have you heard it before? By the way, we do not have the truth or we do not hold the truth. But rather, the truth holds us. The truth is not something you put in your pocket. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We do not hold the truth. It's not a monopoly. As Adventists, we should have humility to know that we are not a prized possession. Rather, it is God's marvelous grace. So stop behaving as if you are the best thing since sliced bread. God has been good. It's not about you and I. What about the empty jars of doctrine? We preach more doctrines than we preach about Jesus. Am I talking the truth? That's all I talk about. Empty jars waiting to be filled. May I submit to you that tell me about Jesus. What he has done. Doctrines without Jesus are empty jars waiting to be filled. But when Jesus is in our doctrines, then people will hear about Jesus and they too will believe. What about the empty jar of an authoritative approach to Helen White? In the Seventh-day Adventist church, my brothers and sisters, and let me say this, you don't have to tell me about Helen White. I know Helen White too. You study the writings, I study them too. So you are, you are not Helen's white son, and I am Helen's white cousin. We are all Auntie Helen's auntie. Huh? As Adventists, as soon as you have a debate in the church, Helen White say, Helen, but Pastor Helen White say, in the Adventist church, the Bible is king, and Helen White is queen. Before you tell me what Ellen White says, tell me the Bible. We misuse our writings. As a result, people don't even want to hear about her. Go back to the Bible. 
I don't want you to, 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 to flash or use a flashlight where the sun is shining. A writing point. She herself says, my writing is the lesser light pointing to the greater light. So stop making a mockery of Mrs. White's writing. They are sacred write writings. If you don't know what you are saying, shut up. Our writings are sacred writings. If we have an healthy discussion in the church, here's what you ought to do. In Genesis, Jesus says, let there be light. And in addition, Mrs. White also said, am I talking the truth? How about the empty jars of Sabbath observance? We are saints during the sacred hours, but devils during the week. What good is it to say I am an Adventist? Yet, people can't even trust me with 10p. What good is it to say that I keep the Sabbath and I don't watch World Cup on the Sabbath? Because these are sacred hours, yet at work, nobody knows I'm a Christian. Empty jars waiting to be filled. I know you don't like this sermon, but I only brought one. Empty jars, my brothers and sisters. Jesus says, fill these jars to the brim. It's, but I think it's full time for the church of God. Fill the empty jars in the churches. There are too many empty jars waiting to be filled. Empty pews. Sometime you come to church, empty sermons. I know you don't like this sermon, but I only brought one. Some, and, 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 and wait. It's not only in the local church. It is at the five levels of the administrative um, aspect, um, divisions in the church. So yes, it's in the local church. Yes, it's in the local conference. Yes, it's at the union. Yes, it's at the division. And yes, it's in, at the general conference. Mediocrity at all levels. I know I might not have a job tomorrow. But guess what? Paul preached and he was always in trouble. If I'm going to preach today and I'm not going to get into trouble, that was a waste of time. I love to be in trouble. Huh? Because that's what the gospel is supposed to do. I said it earlier on. I can give you sweet talk and then all of us leave this afternoon with spiritual diabetes. But the sermon ought to step on your toe. Because what? This, I don't preach anything that doesn't disturb me. And if it steps on my toe, I believe it can step on your toe too. In Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, when we come to church, it's about encouraging each other. Hmm? As, as, a, as Christians, when you tell the world that Jesus offers quality and quantity. We ought to be very careful with what we as Christians therefore offer. Am I talking the truth? 
You can't tell me that you serve a God who offers quality and quantity. Yet, when I come into your church, all I can see is mediocrity. You're giving me a bad impression of who God is. But when I come into your church, I ought to feel, yes, this is the presence of the Most High God. This is where God's dwell. Hello? Yes? So the contemporary hearers of this story, we must be allowed to struggle with the miracles of Jesus. It's a sign of God, God's power. The king at Cana is present. He gives his first sign. He changes water into wine. This sign stands as a signpost of God. And among other lessons, it is also a sign for our modern ministry. It's a sign of power. This is not the power that we see in Washington, D.C., or in Moscow. This is a transformative power. This is not the power that we flaunt to today. But God's power is transformative. That's the power I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the first explosion of hydrogen, hydrogen bomb. I'm not talking about the launching of the atomic submarine or the firing of rockets from Earth away and then from Earth around the space. I'm, I'm not talking about the, the, the power that scientists speaks of or statesmen or men of, military men who handle power. But I'm talking about the gospel's power. Somebody says that the gospel is so powerful that if it touched the dead, the dead comes to life. That's the power I'm talking about. And this power was displayed at Cana. This power, I said, was displayed at Cana. Where if you study chemistry and biology, to talk about turning water into wine, this would actually send your scientific mind in, in hyper research mode. What would it take? And, and I'm glad you asked. I can hear you. What did that wine taste like? I don't know if it tastes like Elder Clark's, what you call it, Kidem? I don't know. All I know was that that wine was different. 15 billion sons. And Richard Burridge, head of theology at King's College, King's College London, he tells us that this was between 25 to 25 gallons. 20 to 25 gallons. That's probably 800 bottles of Kidem wine. Why is it God didn't give them just a bucket? You know what I mean? Just so that the party could last for a little more, maybe a couple more hours. One scholar said that when Mary came to Jesus to tell him that the wine was finished, maybe she was suggesting that, guess what? You all probably should leave 
before you cause any embarrassment. Because maybe they've invited too many people. That's why the wine ran out. So, 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 so somebody, some, um, scholars, one scholar said that maybe that's what Mary was saying to Jesus. You all have to leave because the wine is finished. But hey, even if you tell Jesus to leave, he ain't going nowhere. Wine or no wine, I'm staying here. Because I don't want to only hear about the problem. I have the solution. And you may be coming, you may be here this morning wondering about your problems. I'm here to tell you that the solution is in Jesus. I don't care, even if you don't have any water, Jesus can still turn your disasters into wine. Wine of celebration. And you, I, I wonder, you might be asking, so where is where is your title in the text? The part because you said it's party time. Just when everything was about to be finished. When everything was just going, they were about to make the pronouncement. The, the wedding is finished. Jesus stepped in and said, oh no, the wedding is not finished. It's party time. I can imagine Jesus pull this, what you call it, bow tie. I can imagine Jesus rolled his sleeves. And he said, okay, I'm aware of the problem. You all look a bit worried. Don't you know who I am? That I stepped out on the balcony of nowhere and said, let there be. And there was. You all forget that I was in the beginning when there was only darkness. And I said, let there be light. And there was light. You all have forgotten that I was the one who stepped into Adam's nowhere and said to Adam, come forth. Where did you call Adam forth from? From the dust. Not only did I call him forth, I breathed into his nostril the breath of life and he became a living soul. You all have forgotten that when Lazarus was dead, not sick, when he was dead, four days I stepped into Lazarus' situation and says, Lazarus, come forth. You all have forgotten. But Jesus said to them, my hour has not yet come. Do you know what that hour means? It points to the great climax of Jesus' ministry. When he would have drunk from the bitter cup. When he would have walked through the garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus would hang out on a cross and stretch wide with nails in his finger. But then came the morning. When his hour would finally dawn. That is the hour Jesus spoke of. My hour has not yet come. That is the moment when Jesus would took off his dead clothes and put on the robe that says King of Kings and Lord of Lord. I said the same power that brought Jesus from 
the dead was the same power that was present at Cana. And I submit to you today, that same power is available today. That same power is available today. So that it was a sign of God's present. God is present. The king is present. That which was to be, now his. The future has begun. He's no longer subjected to his parents. He's no longer a child, for in the temple, he already showed them his messianic consciousness. Now about 18 years later, the king had once more left his home. And now he's at Cana in a private home, revealing God's glory. The sign of water into wine clearly means God is present. He's present. He's not a deistic God who winds a clock and leaves it to rotate. No, God is active in our situation. He's not a landlord who rent you the property and only come once a month. Oh no. I said God is present. So God is in the community. He's on your job. He's present in your chaos. He's the doctor in your sick room. I said he's the lawyer in the courtroom. He's the friend who stick it closer than a brother. He's your shelter in the time of storm. I said he's your bread in the morning and water in the night. I said he's a shelter in the time of storm. No wonder the Psalms, it says God is our refuge. He is our strength. A very, I said God is present, a very present help in times of trouble. Have you ever been into trouble where God came in and rescued you? Hmm. I said, God is present and God is powerful. He's powerful. If God can turn water into wine, he can fix your marriage. If God can, if God can turn water into wine, that cancer cell can be destroyed too. Huh? But sometimes it is not the cancer cell in the, is the problem. Hmm? Because it is not that God can't, but he chooses not to. Hello? But the greatest miracle, so I said to you in the story, that the miracle in John chapter 2 is not that God turned water into wine. The miracle is that his disciples believe. I submit to you today that even if God does not take away the cancer, he is still God. Because if God, you, you, you and I, what we should be saying, Lord, even if you do not remove the cancer, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. 
the greatest, the greatest cancer God can heal is for somebody to say, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I said, thou art with me. Yes, I have a toothache, but at least I've got teeth. Yes, I've got a headache. At least you got a head. Yes, you might have ophthalmological problems. Thank God you have eyes. And you're wondering like Sarah, I need a child too because I want to be like, a, I want to appear like the other woman. And I say to you, there is nothing too hard for God. You have a problem. Jesus is saying, bring me the problem. You have heart problem. He's the greatest cardiologist. Hmm? You, you, you're having troubles at home with your philandering children? Or husband? Or wife? Because oftentimes, you know, the church thinks that is the husband giving the trouble. Sometimes the wife can give you a problem too. Hello. It doesn't happen here. I'm talking about the church down the road. Jesus says, bring your problems to me. Mary did the right thing. Mary knew the problem, but he also had the solution. Because Jesus was standing nearby. Jesus was there. And I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, stop behaving as if God is a handy pandy God. Hmm? When you talk about your God, even the trees should tremble. I said, when you talk about your God and the job, and you walk into that disciplinary meeting as if you have already failed, when you walk in around, around as if you do not belong to the country. You are illegal. I want to submit to you that you are not a migrant. You are a child of the Most High God. Therefore, put on a little, put on, put on a suit. Put on your favorite dress. And put on a hint of cologne or aftershave or perfume, whatever you want to call it. And Step out into the nowhere because God is with you. Dress, dress because you are successful. No, don't dress for success. I am successful. When I woke up in the morning, I spoke with God. So he's got everything covered. Rent to pay. Tell the landlord you spoke to God this morning. For the cattle up on a thousand hills belong to him. University fees to pay, just step into the registrar's office and say, let me tell you something. If I talk to God, you can lose your job, so be careful how you talk to me. You want a nice BMW? You want a nice Mercedes? Just step into showroom and put your hands on it and say, in the, in the name of Jesus, this is coming home today. Wives giving you trouble, just put your hands on them and say, in the name of Jesus, be still. 
children running. You're running up and down with your children all over the place. Police banging your door. Say to the police, let me tell you something. He lives here, but Jesus lives here too. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I, I, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, the moment we present Jesus as a, as a soldier who stands up for me, the moment we present Jesus, not as a loser, but as a winner. The moment we present Jesus as a victor, not a victim, the world will stop and, and say, no, I, I, I ought to know this man. But don't present God as if he's weak. No. I told you earlier on, 15 billion sons. S-U-N-S. He marshal all that energy and turn water into wine. Is there anything too hard for God to do? Ladies, you want a boyfriend? And he running up and down as if he doesn't understand the time of day? And you dating him for five years and nothing happening? Maybe time you tell that little, that, that I don't care what shampoo he uses to wash his hair. Let him know you see, you, see, you see me, you looking at? I am bought with a price. And guess what? If you, if you can, let me not say that. I don't want to be thrown out of the temple. But what I want to tell you is that you are bought with a price. You are special. Hmm? And if you are special, the way you dress ought to tell people who you are too. Hmm? You know, people respond to you based on how you look. I'm telling you, you come in any rugged jeans and, 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 and tear up t-shirt and your hair seems as if it needs a little curry powder. No, when, 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 no, when you come before somebody and you tell them you're a child of God, there should be no confliction with what you say and what and how you look. Amen. I'll say amen for you. Amen. My brothers and my, my sisters, the future belongs to Jesus. For too long the world believed Jesus is a shabby God. And everybody's minding their business. Nobody wants to know who is. But if we present Jesus as a mighty rock in a weary land. If we present Jesus as an oasis in a desert. If we present Jesus as an anchor in the time of storm. If we present Jesus as a friend. Many people will want to know him. I invite you to stand with me as we sing our closing hymn. I don't want to keep you much longer. But I, I am sure, like Mary, as the church is standing, I'm sure like Mary, you too, you have seen the lack in your life. May I ask you this morning, has your wine run low or has your, has your wine run out? I don't know about you, but sometimes I could do with a little bit more wine. 
how about you? If you feel so inclined, why don't you press to the altar as we pray? As we, as we sing our closing hymn, a hymn of praise. As your wine run low, as your wine run out, Jesus is inviting you today to come. You might be facing a problem, depression. You might be troubled on every side. Problems surround you and dogs your steps. Why don't you bring them to Jesus? God bless you as you come. There is still room at the cross for all. Whatever you might be going through today, Jesus is saying, come, for there is nothing too hard for me. As we sing the song, I invite you to come. A song of praise. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him for His thy health and salvation. second stanza it says praise to the Lord or all wondrous thing reigneth has God been good to you and and, and I'm, I, I'm wondering here at this point do you have something you want to give God thanks for that's what the altar is about we are singing a hymn of praise and I said to you that Jesus rescued a bad situation at a wedding has God saved you from an embarrassing situation just last week and you're here today you want to say lord the devil wanted to uncover me so that the world could see but you have covered my shame mm. that is something to say hallelujah Amen. that when satan wanted to destroy you jesus lifted you when, when, when Satan wanted to kill you, Jesus built a fence around you. When, when Satan wanted to, to keep you hungry, Jesus provided. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord, who are all things so wondrously reigned. Shielded beyond His wings, yea, so gently sustained. As thou not Desires have been granted in what he ordained. 
us prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. If with his love he befriend thee. You have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. And you have heard the gospel today. And you want to say, pray for me. I want to make a decision soon to follow Jesus. Is there such a person? Your eyes are closed. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. You have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. Today you want to say, pray for me. I want to follow Jesus. Why don't you raise that hand? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. And today you want to say, Lord, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood has died for me. Today you want to say, oh Lord, here I am. Take me. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus has never lost its power. And that the same power that was available at Cana is available today. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts and for encouraging us, encouraging us to know that nothing is too hard for God to do. For if you can turn water into wine, then you can turn our, day, our, our, our nights into mornings. You can turn our sorrow into joy. You can turn what is sour and bitter to that which is sweet. For you are still the whole powerful God. We thank you to know that you are present in our situation. Present in our dilemmas. Present. A very present help in times of trouble. And that is why we have come today to praise you. To celebrate. And to let the world know that our God is able. And today we have come with our challenges. We have come with our mountains. And we lay them at your feet. We pray, Lord, for victory. Victory to climb these mountains of our lives. Victories to trample upon the serpents of our lives. Victory to love our enemies. Victory on the job. Victory in our communities at homes. Victories in our relationships. Victories amid Satan's assaults. Oh Lord, today we stand in need of victory. But we are confident that the battle has been won. So we can leave here celebrating for it is truly party time. When Jesus will burst the cloud and he will call his faithful children home. Oh, what a day that will be. 
when we will go home and celebrate and party with Jesus. Oh Lord, hasten that day and seal our decisions. For eternity we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.